0: Good evening. It's good to be with you here at Myerstown. As I thought about coming here, I thought about all of the years that I've been visiting here and all of the people that I know and appreciate here. And I've had a lot of, of good interaction, and you people have given me encouragement in my Christian life, and I commend you for that. There's a lot of stories I could probably tell. I thought maybe I'd just tell one. I don't know if I don't see Dale here tonight, but I remember uh, one Sunday morning, I, my wife had a new pair of pants for me, and I felt pretty good going to church. I had a new pair of pants on, and I got to church, and I believe Dale walked in shortly after I did, and... I was in the basement there, and he said, Keith, how do you like your new pair of pants? And I was so shocked. I thought, how does, turn around, Dale, how do you know I have a new pair of pants on? He said, well, you've got the tag on the back yet. (laughs) So anyway, uh, I think I have friendship with a lot of you, and I appreciate that, and it's good to be here tonight. And as Ray was talking about You know, Thanksgiving. This is the time of the year when we focus on Thanksgiving, um, and that's good. We want to be thankful all year long. But tonight, we do we do want to think about Thanksgiving and being thankful. John Kralik's life was falling apart. His law firm was failing. He was going through a divorce. He was 40 pounds overweight, and he was living in a tiny apartment that was hot in the summer and frigid in the winter. And one day, he went for an all-day hike. And as he walked and walked and walked and pondered his life, he thought he heard a voice that said, until you learn to be grateful for what you have, you will not receive the things you want. And he was struck with the thought that he needed to be thankful for the things that he did have. And so he decided to write 365 thank you notes over the next year. And he would look and see what he had to be thankful for. And then he would write a note to that person and, and see what would happen. And you know, it changed his life. He wrote a book called 365 Thank Yous that tells the story about how being thankful changed his perspective on life and made life better. Now, John did not give God any credit for things that happened in his life, but I, I found that it was very interesting how that he stated that being thankful... Changed his life. And sometimes I wonder about my life and about your life. And are we as thankful as we should be? And is there something about being thankful that could change my life or change your life? The founder of Panasonic, when he would conduct an interview for a prospective employee, he would say, One of the questions he liked to ask was, do you think that you have been lucky in your life? And he believed that if you felt that you were lucky, that you would be a better employee. And maybe the question that we can ask ourselves tonight is, do you think that you have been blessed in your life? You think about that for a minute. Do you think that you have been blessed in your life? To be thankful is to be conscious of a benefit received. To be conscious of a benefit received. There's an emotion that fills our hearts when we recognize the blessings we have been given. And that emotion is thankfulness. Turn with me, if you will, in your Bible to 2 Timothy chapter 3. And we want to read two verses there. I want you to look at this. I want you to open your Bibles... And I want you to see this verse, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. 2 Timothy chapter 3, This know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, Blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. And we're going to stop there. So you see that one of the signs of the last days is, is it's perilous times. And one of the signs of, the, of, of perilous times is that men are not going to be conscious of the blessings that they have received. People are going to be displeased and dissatisfied and unhappy, unthankful. And this is a characteristic of the world. When people are unthankful, it's a characteristic of the world. That is not Christian character to be unthankful. And so the purpose of this message is to bring you to an attitude of greater thankfulness. And as I thought about thanksgiving and thought about this message, it has challenged me to be more thankful. Our text tonight is going to be from Proverbs chapter 27. Proverbs 27 verse 7 says this, The full soul loatheth and honeycomb, but to the hungry soul every bitter thing is sweet. I'm going to read it again. The full soul loatheth in honeycomb, but to the hungry soul, every bitter thing is sweet. This could be translated, the full soul tramples on the honeycomb. The full soul is the person whose appetite has been satisfied, and they can't appreciate something even as delicious as honeycomb. And he has, his appetite has been satisfied and he is likely to just discard the honeycomb and trample on it as he walks away. He does not value that which is valuable, the honeycomb, because he doesn't need it. It's not good enough to tempt his appetite. He's full. To illustrate this, when I was uh, a young person... My mother invited two young men who attended church that morning home for Sunday lunch. And my mother is a good cook, and she prepared a delicious meal, a good meal. And we got home, she got it all ready, and we were ready to eat, but there were, the visitors didn't show up yet. They weren't there, and so we waited and waited, of course, I was hungry. I wanted to eat. So finally, mom and dad decided, well, we're just going to eat. Hey, you know, that was before the days of cell phones. I know that you can't imagine that, but you just didn't call somebody and find out where they're at. We didn't know where they were, and so we just ate anyway. And we were about done eating, and they showed up, and so my mom got out to places and set them there for them, and they filled their plates up, but we soon realized something was wrong. They just pushed the food around on their plate and smiled at each other and didn't seem to want to eat. And finally, it came out. They were so hungry on the way home, they stopped at McDonald's and they had a, a burger and fries. And they weren't hungry enough to eat mom's lunch. They were full And even mom's good Sunday lunch couldn't tempt their appetite. As I recall, my mother was not amused. I'll say that. But I wonder sometimes how God feels when he sees how ungrateful we can be for the things, for the blessings that he has prepared for us, and we're ungrateful for them. I spoke with four young men who came from Nepal, I was working in Lancaster. Uh, a week or two ago, and and uh, I was going in and out of a basement in an alleyway, going into the basement, and coming out, and these four young men were in the alleyway, and they came over and they started talking to me, and and uh, I found out they were all four of them were from Nepal, and eventually during the conversation, they told me what a great country this is. This is a great country, and. And so I said to him, I said, well, why do you say that? I mean, they were living in row homes. I had been inside some of those homes, and, you know, they really weren't fancy or very nice. But I said, why do you think this is such a great country? And the, and the one young fellow said, well, just think about it. He said, just take hot water, for instance. He said, you just go to the faucet and open it up, and you've got hot water. He said, in Nepal, that's not the way it is. Uh, you would have to heat the water. <clears throat> um. He said, here, you can get a job and you can save money and you can, you can buy a car. And I think that's probably what he wanted to do. He would have liked to buy a car. He said, you can buy a car and you can go where you want to go. He said, this is a great country. <clears throat> and I said, well, you know that there's a lot of people in this country that are, are dissatisfied and, and, and they, they think they're not happy with this country. And I said, why, why do you think that is? And he he looked at me and he said, they don't know what poverty is. They don't know what poverty is. We're so full that we tread underfoot the blessings that we have and we're not thankful for the things that we have. I have a... uh, a friend and neighbor named Dimitru, and he's a Romanian who came to the U.S. as a young boy, and he has told me many times how wonderful this country is. And he told me this story about how his mother had to stand in the bread line to get food for their family. And one day she was standing in the bread line, and and she was pregnant, and and I guess couldn't move. Uh, that quickly, but all of a sudden, there was a rush for the food, and she was being crushed by the mass of people that were just pushing and shoving, and he said, my father, fortunately, he said, my father happened to be near there, and he ran over and pulled my mother out of the crowd, and he said, you know, my mom could have been killed that day, and he said, this is a great country, there's all kinds of opportunity, and... You know, he thinks back to to how it used to be when, when he was a little boy in Romania. Brothers and sisters, we live in a land of freedom and plenty, and we should be overflowing with thankfulness. We have so many physical blessings to be thankful for. But I want to talk to you about something else. What happens when... Our blessings are taken away from us, or we, or we don't have the physical blessings that we wish we did. When I was in Nicaragua, I learned to know people who had so little, sometimes they didn't know what they were going to eat the next day. One day, they showed me a skunk, and they told me that we're going to take this home and eat it. And I said, you're going to eat that? And they said, yes, it's very good for a cold. And I'll assure you, I think it could open the sinuses right up. (laughs) But they told me they were going to eat it. You know, they lived uh, in houses with a frame made of sticks with black plastic tacked onto it to shed the rain and to give a little privacy. And their clothes were torn and dirty. And they had access to only poor medical care. Their families were a lot of times the morality was terrible and so the family life wasn't very good. And they survived by working whatever they could and cheating and stealing whenever they could. And I, as I worked around those people, I I tried to share the love of Jesus and I wanted to tell them the message of the gospel. And A nagging question kept coming to my mind. Why should these people want to be saved? Was God going to give them a better house? If they got saved, were they going to get a good job? They could support their family? Would their family problems be gone? You know, I found that my view of the gospel is self-centered and many times when I talk about the Lord I want to say you know he's blessed me so much I have a family I have children that I love a wife that I love I've got money in the bank I've got this I've got that I've got my health I got a house to live in and I want to talk about how God has blessed me But you know what? That's a self centered gospel. What do you, let me ask you this question Does God exist to give you things to be thankful for so that you can be thankful and have a happy life? Is that what God exists for? You know, when we just thank God for the physical blessings, we forget the spiritual blessings. When I have a health crisis or lose a loved one or my bank account isn't very prosperous, do I have reason to thank the Lord then? It's a good question to think about. Remember our text, The full soul loatheth in honeycomb, but to the hungry soul every bitter thing is sweet. How can I be that hungry soul that when life is bitter, I can find sweetness? You know, what is my thankfulness resting on? Is it resting on possessions and things that can be taken away? Or is there something deeper? Is there something more than that that causes me to be thankful, even when life seems to be bitter? Let's turn to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. Let's read Colossians 1, 12 through 14. It says this giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins." Notice what he says. We have been qualified and fit to share in the inheritance of the saints. He has made us worthy to receive the blessings he wants to give us. You know, inheritance often has to do with the death of someone. When Warren Buffett dies, I don't expect to be in the will. And I don't expect you to be in the will either. Why is that? Because you're not qualified. You're not one of the family. You don't make the grade. But you know what? Because of the death of Jesus, we have been made a part of God's family and we're qualified to receive the inheritance. And what is this inheritance? Verse 13 says, Who has delivered us from the power of darkness and transferred us into a different kingdom. You know, this world is full of wickedness. Darkness, dishonesty, greed, hatred, selfishness, power struggling, immorality, cheating, rioting, the list goes on and on. And Paul says in Ephesians 2.2, In time past, ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. And then in Ephesians 2.12, he says, having no hope and without God in the world. That's the kingdom that we were a part of. Now, maybe you're saying to yourself, well, I don't ever really remember being a part of that kingdom. And that can partially be true. If you were raised in a Christian home and you became a Christian and you never spent a lot of time walking away from the world, maybe you say, I don't know what it means to walk in darkness that much. Well, I'll tell you what. Then just look at the world around you. Just look at the dirtiest low-down person that you can find and that would be you without Jesus. That would be you. And so... Because of Jesus, we've been transferred from that kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And the kingdom of darkness doesn't have any power over us anymore. Verse 14 says, In whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sin. Not only have we been brought back from, bought back from the power of darkness where we lived in sin, but we have been forgiving for, forgiven for living that way. We've been forgiven. All the guilt and shame that we had from living in darkness is erased. Forgiveness is freedom. Freedom. And then in verse 21, Colossians 1 verse 21 And you, that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled. We're not enemies of God anymore. Our relationship is restored. We're reconciled. There's nothing between us. We have peace and fellowship together. No wonder that Paul says, Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. Brothers and sisters, we have known what it means to live in spiritual poverty. Just like those Nepali boys knew what it was to live in physical poverty. We know what it was like to live in spiritual poverty without God, without hope. But now we're part of a different family And we've received the riches of the inheritance of God's family. And these blessings can't be taken away. My friend said to me this week, he told me, he said, my brother works for a financial firm, a major financial firm. His brother's a brain. And his brother was in a meeting with 20 or 30 high-ranking officials in this company and I'm not sure what got said but they said let's let's talk about our lives let's let's share you know let's and he said his brother told him he said you wouldn't believe it he said these high-ranking officials some of them began to cry and he said these are people that fly their helicopter to Nantucket on the weekend for the weekend and he said they began to cry and say that life is so terrible and the COVID is here and no uh, and he said they were crying. And he said, and we were talking about that. They have everything this world has to offer. And yet they have nothing. They're without hope. And without God in the world. Do you realize what we have to be thankful for? And what basis we have to be thankful for all of our physical blessings. We need, it needs to start with the thankfulness for our spiritual blessings. So... This Thanksgiving, let's be thankful for the turkey and potatoes. Let's be thankful for health and freedom and family and money in the bank. That's good, and that's right, and that's proper, and we ought to thank the Lord for those things. But don't forget that there's something more important, something more important to base your thankfulness on, and that is... For the riches that we have in Jesus. For being delivered from darkness. Being reconciled to God and having a relationship with him. That's where our thanksgiving needs to begin. Maybe if we do that, it'll change our lives. If we're thankful for that, maybe it'll change our lives. Let's stand for prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you tonight for so many blessings that we have. Thank you for our physical blessings, for all that you have given us here in this country, for the freedom, for the food we have to eat, for the houses we live in, for family, for health. Lord, we thank you for it all. But most of all, we want to be thankful for the plan of salvation and for Jesus who made it possible Thank you that we have a clear conscience with you, that we're reconciled, that we've been brought out of darkness, and that we can live in the light and we can have hope for the future. So bless us now as we go from here. Help us to live a life of thankfulness to you. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated.